Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. It's so good to be with you today. Um, we are wrapping up the last sermon in our series called Shaped for a Purpose. And shape is an acrostic for spiritual gifts, heart, or the passion of your heart, abilities, personalities, and experiences. And I took my first shape assessment quite a few years ago, and what I learned when I took that assessment is that there's a lot of personality tests out there, and most of them describe who I am. But when I took the shape assessment, it helped me understand what I meant to do. And more specifically, what God means for me to do with how he has wired me, how he has shaped me. Um, Every Christmas, Wayne and I bake Christmas cookies for uh, the co-workers that he's with at his job, and we bake dozens and dozens and dozens. Um, They start asking about these cookies at the first of November because they don't want us to forget they love these cookies so much. We start a week out, and we bake literally every night until we give them away. We start with oats and salt and eggs and butter and, you know, baking soda, all that kind of stuff, and then we put it in a big container and we refrigerate it. We've got the cookie dough. Now, if we just gave them that plain old cookie dough, I promise you nobody would be asking us a month in advance if we were making our cookies for them that year. They would not be getting so excited. But we take that cookie dough and then we add in peanut butter, M&Ms, and chocolate chips, and boom, we've got an amazing cookie. So I was thinking how much like that is, probably because time's coming up soon, I'm going to have to start baking cookies. I was thinking about how when God takes me, he starts out with me, and then he adds in my spiritual gifts, the passion of my heart, my natural abilities or skills, he adds in my personality, and all the experiences that I've had in my life, he mixes it all together, and boom, he has a masterpiece, uniquely created for his purposes. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what's happened to you, what you've been through, what you're going through, I want you to know today that you have been designed for God's distinct purpose. Today we're going to talk about the last letter in the acrostic of shape, and it's the letter E, and E is for experiences. The journey that you and I have traveled on in our life has given us lots of experiences, all different kinds. We've had good, bad, sad, successful, scary, uh, you name it, we've experienced it. And I was thinking, uh, I was on a plane recently, and I had an experience I want to share with you. Uh, This week, as I flew from South Carolina into Ohio, I had a layover in Charlotte. And prior to um, getting on the plane, I had chosen my seats, and I chose a window seat. Well, you know, because I like to sit in the window seat. And so as I got to my seat, uh, there was a gentleman sitting in the window seat. And I stood there for a second. I didn't know what to do. And, but I thought, you know, you chose this seat, so just speak up. He probably doesn't know that he took your seat. And I said, excuse me, hey, um, are you supposed to be in the window seat? And he looked at me and he was like, yeah. 
<laughs> I stood there for a split second, and I thought, nope, just let it go. Take the high road. Let him sit in the window seat. You'll be fine in this other seat. So I sat down, and I'm getting all situated, getting everything put away, my seatbelt. And as I'm sitting there, he starts spreading out. And if you know what I mean, some people call it mansplaining. It's when a guy, and he was a pretty good-sized guy, sits, and he starts just to kind of spread out his legs, his arms. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? You've not only taken my seat, now you're spreading out and taking up my space, And I sat there for a minute. I didn't know what to do. I'm sitting there crunched up. So he had his elbow on the middle armrest that we share. And uh, I thought, you know what? I need more space. So I put my elbow in front of his elbow. And I kind of lean over to get my stuff out of my bag. And he inches it up. He's not going to give me any more space. And so I'm sitting there becoming frustrated and thinking, what in the world? Why is this guy doing that? Well, in the meantime, behind me, the uh, flight attendant is helping a gentleman find his seat. She comes up behind me. She taps me on the shoulder and she says, hey, hon, what's your last name? And I told her. And she said, oh, sweetie, you're in the wrong row. I was so embarrassed because this guy, everybody all around me heard, I had to unbuckle, get everything, get back out, say excuse me, move people out of the way. They've shut the doors. The plane's ready to take off. Talk about an embarrassing situation. Now, we could all agree that we can see how God uses experiences in our life Uh, the good ones especially. I mean, and when we think about the bad ones, the hard ones, the rough ones, we don't really think he can use those. When we think about the good experiences, we would all agree he can use those. Uh, Take, for example, a couple with a healthy marriage. We can see how God would take their experience of a healthy marriage and he could use it as a role model for married couples, young married couples, premarital counseling, Uh, We've all made good uh, decisions in our life. And so we can see how a good decision produces a good outcome, and we could share that experience with other people, how this good decision was made and how it produced a good outcome. But we often struggle to see how God can use our wrong choices, our bad decisions, our struggles, our pain, our mistakes. We struggle to see how in the world could he use a broken marriage, a lifelong addiction. How can anything good come out of cancer? How does anything good come out of rejection or out of being betrayed? And how can one good thing come out of the loss of a loved one, especially if they're young, the loss of a child? Joni Erickson Tata became a quadriplegic from a diving accident when she was just a teen. She has been confined to a wheelchair for over 40 years. And she often gets asked this question, how can something good come out of something so bad? And this is what she says to them. God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Read that again. God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. 
So God does not make bad things happen to us. He does not make bad things happen so he can take bad stuff and turn it into good. That's not who God is. That's not not how he operates. God hates pain and suffering. He hates diseases, addictions, evil, even death. He loves us, and he hates the things that cause us pain. But God uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. In the New Testament uh, book of Romans, the Apostle Paul teaches us about this. He tells us that because we've lived in, we live in a world that has been tainted by sin, that because of sin making its way into this world, we live in a world of brokenness, decay, and death. And it's absolutely not what God designed for us, nor desires for us but he uses what he hates to accomplish what he loves. So today we're going to be in the book of Romans for our main scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'd like to read this, and then I want to tear into it a little bit deeper and see just what this scripture means. Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now I want you to notice that it says, we know, right at the very beginning, a very strong word, we know. Not that we think or we guess or we wonder. The word know, to know, means to understand it as a fact. Understand it that this is truth. We know that in all things, let's stop at the word all. What does all mean? Well, all means all. It means all the things. Does it mean sometimes or some of the things or a few of the things? No. All means everything, every part. And then it says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. What is the good? The good is his perfect plan, his perfect purposes of those who love him, of those who have been called according to his purpose. And I want you to note something here. It doesn't say for, uh, notice that it says those who love him, because this section of this scripture is commonly misunderstood, misinterpreted, um, misconstrued. And I think it's incredibly important that we realize who this was being spoken to, who this was being taught to. It was taught to those who love him, not for those who are unbelievers, uh, not for those who do not know Christ as their personal savior, not for those who deny him, and it's not for those who have rejected him or ignore him. This scripture is a promise This is a promise for saved believers, for those of you who have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. If you have, for those who love him, God works for the good. God works for the good of those who love him. And I want to just stop right here and say this to you. If you have never asked Christ, if you've not asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, or if you've wandered far, far away from him and you are not living for him anymore, just do it now. 
You don't have to wait one more minute. You can ask him right this moment to forgive you of your sins. You can invite Christ into your life. You can tell him, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you, and I want to live for you. You can be part of the those who love him. Now, as we continue to read the scripture, it tells us how he does this. How does God in all things work for the good of those who love him? And one of the ways God does this is he uses the experiences in our lives to minister to others. All the experiences, as the scripture said, all means all. Everything we have gone through can be used for the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is how he uses us. He uses us to comfort and love and serve others. The word here for uh, compassion, the Greek word is splakna. And the word splakna means a deep, deep compassion, a pain in the stomach. It says Jesus felt such um, a pain in his stomach for those who um, were hurting, those were broken, broken, and that he is the God of all comfort, and he wants to comfort us in our troubles. In the Old Testament, there is a story of two women, Ruth and Naomi. Now, Naomi has a husband and two sons, and Ruth is married to one of Naomi's sons. And these women suffer an incredibly devastating loss. You know, in biblical times, a woman really didn't have anything or was she was nothing without a husband or a son. And so Naomi's husband and two sons die. And Ruth has now lost her husband, one of those sons, and now she has no chance for children or a family of her own. And Naomi is deeply grieving, and the scripture tells us that not only is she grieving, but she became bitter. Naomi became bitter towards God. She felt like somehow God had done this against her and to her. Now, Ruth is experiencing the same loss. She's lost her husband and a chance for a family, and she has every right to leave her mother-in-law. No one would think anything about it if she didn't stay with her, but instead, Ruth chooses to comfort Naomi. She cares for Naomi. She stays with Naomi. She sticks close by her. She even goes into the fields and works hard as a laborer to provide food for Naomi. Ruth experienced grief and loss, and she ministers to another who is experiencing grief and loss. Who better to help someone going through something than somebody who's been through it themselves? Someone who's experienced the same uh, bondage, Perhaps they have an addiction and they can in turn help an addict. Someone who has experienced divorce in their life can minister to someone going through divorce. Who better than someone who knows what it's like to have a prodigal child to minister to a broken-hearted parent whose child is in trouble? 
You see, Ruth's loss of her husband and her dreams, they were not wasted. God used that bad experience in her life for good. If you read the whole story, you learn that not only does Ruth minister and comfort and care for her mother-in-law, Ruth meets a man named Boaz, and they have a son named Obed, and Obed was the grandfather of King David, and we know that in the lineage of King David is Jesus Christ. Talk about God working in all things for the good of those who love him. So we can be like Naomi, or we can be like Ruth. We can be bitter, or we can be better. Two years ago, my nephew died um, at the age of 21. He went to bed one night, and he didn't wake up in the morning. And I can't describe the grief and the sorrow that his parents and siblings and his aunt, as we all felt, it was profound. And honestly, if you would have asked me that day what good could come from his death or that good could come from his death, I would have said to you, no, absolutely nothing could. How could anything good come from the death of this boy who we loved, who had his whole life ahead of him? I believe with my whole heart that God grieved the day Eddie died. I believe that God grieved for us, and I believe that he hates death. But the truth is, as long as you and I are on this side of heaven, whether we're a Christian or whether we're not a Christian, a believer or not a believer, we will experience suffering. Eddie's older sister had been serving as a minister, um, a missionary in Croatia, and she was thankfully at home on leave when Eddie died. And as she grieved and as she navigated the loss of her brother, she decided to go back to school and become a hospital chaplain. God used her spiritual gifts. He used her passion, her heart for people. He used the abilities that he'd given her, the the abilities that she had learned, the skills from being a, a missionary. He used her personality. And now he uses her experience of grief, of losing her brother, to minister to other people who are going through the same thing. And what we learn out of this is that God can give purpose to everything all things that we experience in life, the good and the bad. You may look at what you've experienced thus far in your life and you say, well, Cindy, it feels like it's such a mess and that mess just never gets cleaned up. You may be ashamed of your experience and you don't want others to know about it. Maybe you believe that you're completely unqualified to minister to anyone else. Guess what? I want you to know today that God sees your mess. Rick Warren says that God takes our messes and he turns them into messages. God sees your pain. God sees your inadequacies. And you need to know that as a believer, you have the spirit of the living God within you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to do all things through him. 
2 Corinthians, let's read it one more time. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble, any trouble, with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. He is the God of all comfort, and he will comfort you no matter what you're going through or have, been go- have gone through. And he wants you to, in turn, do the same for somebody else. God wants to take all the experiences in your life. He wants to take the positive or the painful. He wants to take the ones that have been created by you or caused by someone else. And he wants to use them to add to that wonderful mix that's you to shape you for your unique purpose. We live in a world where everything we see on social media and TV looks perfect. There's filters, there's photoshopping. Um, We just see the highlight reel of everyone's life. If I were perfect, I don't think it would help anybody. I, I don't think I would help anybody if I was perfect. God has been most glorified when I have let him use the most painful experiences of my life. The most fulfilled people I know have taken the hardest things in their life and they've used them for the glory of God. If you do this, if you will do this, the good news is that what you've gone through will not be wasted. I believe that you've gone through an experience in your life. I believe that I've gone through experiences in my life that God wants to use to comfort someone, to set someone free, to help someone, to minister to someone, to make a difference. Use those experiences. Don't deny them. Don't ignore them. Stop regretting them. Do not let them be wasted. You've learned so much from your experiences. Name them, name it, and let God use it. Name it and let God use it. Would you pray with me? Lord, I offer my life to you this morning. And God, I lift up all the things that I've walked through in this life, Lord, all of my experiences, Lord. You know each and every one. You know exactly how you can take them and turn them around and work them in my life for good. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that everyone listening to my voice, that we would just surrender to you, Lord, that we would listen to your Holy Spirit as you guide us, as you comfort us, and we would be obedient, Lord, to use the things that we've walked through in life to make a difference in others' lives to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks so much and want you to stay with us as we continue to worship. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.